Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com, where you can find the current hits, the classics, and the hard-to-find titles. Let Carmen and Elaine find your games and receive free shipping for all contiguous U.S. shipping orders over $120. Remember, Gamesurplus.com, great people, great selection, and great prices. And in Canada, amazing stories in Saskatoon. If you're in the Saskatoon area, come by the store for Friday night board games, play and receive 20% off the purchase of any board games in the store. Amazing Stories Comics is the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Retailer in Canada and nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Luke. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Ryan? Uh, I'm going to talk about Coimbra. Coimbra. Luke? And I'm going to be talking about John Company. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back. So this episode is our first episode of the year and it is middle of February and February, uh, February, the and, coldest snap of all the snaps that I've ever been in. Oh, I, and I'm like, you know how the record temperature, I, I think we did set record temperatures of hasn't been this cold in a hundred years kind of thing. Oh, it was like that. And then there was yeah. also longest cold streak for 80 years or who knows. It's, it's the only been, streaking that you don't like, man. It's the only <laughs> streaking, exactly. Don't go streaking in this weather. Yeah. The wind chill <laughs> will turn it into, well, no, I'll just Pro stop tip. right there. So again, in true Canadian fashion, um, I'm going to start by apologizing um, for the tardiness <laughs> of this uh, of this uh, regular, regularly scheduled podcast. Um, I, I really don't think any apologies are necessary. If, 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 if people follow us on Twitter, they kind of know. <laughs> Well, but yeah, I just, it's, it's that sense that it's like, oh, you know, I still could have tried a little harder. Um, no, but, I, uh, no. 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 Okay. Well, no. there was, there was a family medical thing going on and, uh, and there was a, a, a few podcasts that we, we were able to attend to. And I was recording from the bathroom of my son's hospital room. Um, and I just want to say, if there's any professional audio guys out there, the acoustics suck. <laughs> the porcelain ringing. Yeah. yeah. I just couldn't. There there was 10K ringing off the soap dish that I just couldn't figure out. <laughs> what a trouble. Yeah. So um, uh, any other apologies? Anybody else? Uh, any sorries out there? Yeah, I, I, I apologize because I was locked up in jury duty for like two weeks. <laughs> and which, of was, course... which was an experience in, a, in itself. 
after you get over the surprise of, of the fact that you got called for jury duty, there's half of us, which is my half of my brain going, <laughs> you said duty. <laughs> Classic norm. Absolutely. Luke, mm-hmm. Luke, mm-hmm. you've been busy with your family. Oh, constantly. Traveling but, like across Western Canada from what Yeah, uh, we, were, we were out in uh, British Columbia in Abbotsford for about a uh, month. Just, uh, you know, kind of doing life with my sister in January seemed like a nice idea with the plus 10 temperatures. And <laughs> it, it, it actually was quite nice. So, Did you guys yeah. drive the Coquihalla when you went out? No, we flew from Edmonton. Oh, good, because I didn't want to see you guys on any, like, highway rescue shows or anything Oh, like that. geez, we've, we've done the, the drive to BC in the winter, and there was a few too Jeez. many incidents where you're like, your knuckles are fused yeah. to the steering oh, yeah. wheel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, can I have a cigarette? You don't smoke. I do now. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so who, uh, who wants to start off? Well, you know what, Ryan, you had a good idea because this is our first one. We haven't really chatted much with any playing um uh, and you suggested that we do a quick like hey what's hit the table not getting into any depth but just like what's been i'm just i'm just gonna stop you there we have it on recording that you told me that i have a good idea oh. <laughs> and you know what there was no quantification at all it wasn't like 30 percent of the time you don't say that 10. 60 percent of the time it works yeah. every time yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah you start us off man Oh yeah, kind of like well, we've been kind of like in our little little mini hiatus while we've been playing kind of deal. Um, let's see here. One thing, I'm just gonna pull up my BGG stats here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we got managed because last time Ian was on, I think it was like our last episode. Yep. And I have to let you know that Ian thinks that he broke the podcast because he's like, ever since I've been on, you guys, <laughs> everything kind of stopped. Or like people mad at me or something, and it was just too good. We couldn't follow it up, so. <laughs> We had to actually hire some writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so throw back to Ian and everything. We can, we've been continuing our pandemic legacy season two uh, campaign, which has been going a lot smoother. I mentioned on the podcast that we were having a really rough time with it for pretty, I would say semi intellectual individuals that are all gamers. Um, and the game was kicking our butts. Like, absolutely murdering us and we were just like what are we doing wrong listeners we figured out what we did wrong and it's because we can't read <laughs> <laughs> there's been something yeah little little footnote um, yeah yeah spoiler no, no, actually no spoilers there we had unlocked something mm. and we didn't read it fully <laughs> which was making our lives miserable for a few games did but you now that, sort it out? Oh yeah, now 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 we think the game is easy. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh, this is how it should have been all this time. Yeah, so Catan now, is so much harder without the dice. <laughs> so now we're rolling. Now we're now we're well. Now we're over to the halfway point of the of the of the campaign. And yeah, Pandemic Legacy Season Two. It's a good one. It's mm-hmm. a it's a really good experience. It's back into that we're unlocking more of the story the narrative is very very good hmm. and so now that, now that we're playing by a correct rule it's much more enjoyable and we kind of want to get back to it i've <laughs> i've never played pandemic and i'm and uh and or the legacy stuff but as for where you are in the season compared to season one what's your initial kind of like comparative rating 
uh right now i would say season one has been the best experience of a legacy game thus far um but i've got a feeling that season two is going to start ramping up for us cool. uh going going forward here yeah it's a really good experience really good experience i would say if you want because you're not you haven't really done a legacy thing yet norm you with your background but we haven't finished it you because of your background that i know you should definitely give risk legacy a try (laughs) you definitely need to try risk legacy okay it's the one that really kicked off the whole thing i'll take that yeah so we've been playing pandemic legacy season two by a correct ruling now (laughs) all right what else what else has hit the table for me yeah Oh, let's okay. our, here, let's just hand it off. We'll, we'll take turns. Luke, what's hit the table for you that you want to? We could, we could switch it, but I think we're going to come back to Ryan. He said he had a list longer well, than my arm here. because he, he's busy. He, I, I could see oh, him. I, I, I'm, I'm quantifying good. everything that Norm likes to say. I've got my stats. I got right. my stats. You ready? Because <laughs> I have played 17 uh, uh, different games in 2019 so far. So, Pandemic <laughs> Legacy Season 2. <laughs> you love this, don't you? Um, uh, you Teotihuacan, Teotihuacan. I don't even know. I have. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. The spiritual successor to Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. Um, fantastic dice worker placement, Brondel movement, temple building tracks, point salad goodness. Cool. Descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, if you set it out on a table, and if you're just passing by, it looks. It, it looks, looks like looks a beast. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it, it's overbearing, but once you actually sit down, you kind of know you go by the actions. It's one of those games where it's like, yeah, it looks overbearing, but it definitely is not. But there is still some crunchy decision making that you have to kind of do in order to kind of plan out your steps. Kind of like if you've ever played Zulkin, you have to plan out your steps beforehand. So you can make... see some of the, the lineage pieces between that. and Yeah, the, this one, this one's more uh, the the board state constantly changes a lot more in in Telltale Walken rather than uh, rather than Zulkin. Zulkin's quite predictable of where what the board state looks like, okay. whereas lots of the actions in Telltale Walken are based upon how many different players are in certain action spots. All right, because that okay. that'll drive that'll drive the price of taking the action. If there's different people there, the more different people that are in an action spot, the more it costs to take okay. the action so there's a lot of player driven chaos kind of right build, build or, or or on the flip side if you don't want to take the action you can actually just generate yourself a resource uh, i think cacao is cocoa is um the main resource and you can take that uh, the more different people the more you can get of that but you're forfeiting taking an action just to collect the resource but it's a very good it's very good uh mid-weight to slightly heavier um, I would, I, me personally, would probably class it more in the midweight, um, Euro style type of game. Theme, nice. yeah, that's what I saw with it. The, the theme, theme is kind of, for me, it's kind of pasted on. I know they tried. <laughs> they they really really tried, with the temple building and the tracks and the, the thematic names that they have for everything. Everything it it really you, you could have put this in space. <laughs> <laughs> which is my 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 big joke you could have just done this in space cool do you want to hit us with another one uh my wife and i just finished um time stories the marcy oh, case yeah. we finished a new scenario um very good scenario um, you're still getting mileage out of that one out of that uh 
um, yeah, engine, the, I guess. I, I'm going to say the the base game scenario was better than this one that we picked up. There was not as much of a puzzle to solve, more rather than, hey, we tried something, failed. Okay, next time we do it, we don't do that. We just try something different until we actually do something that works. Whereas the first one actually had like puzzles to solve. This one didn't have puzzles. So uh, um, uh, according to uh, our new review process, does, does that one stay on the shelf? Oh yeah, we're still interested in playing the other scenarios. Like cool. we still got a couple other scenarios that we have that we haven't touched yet, but we'll probably get to now right since, we, since we finished the Marcy case. Excellent. Luke, you got three at-bats, man. Okay, yeah. Um, well, I guess while I was out in BC, um, played cockroach poker a fair bit with the family. Oh, so good! That's I love a, that game. You know what? That's a fun little. It's it's kind of mean. It's kind of hilarious, and it's just so the art is just so perfect. I, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I think uh, you know introduced it to a number of different family groups, different number of player counts, and I mean, oh, it's just so clever. I feel. Like the poker aspect, the bluffing, the the reading each other really comes through with that game. More, more than I, the most, more than I expected. What I love the most about that game is um, that it creates memorable, memorable experiences. Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly. You sort of see someone who has you know three of a kind uh, of a certain creature, and you're like, everyone's trying to just nail them with the other one. You know? Oh yeah, like and I mean, and they're trying to figure out how to escape that plan, and it, and sometimes you get so stuck, and it ends up with the most hilarious situations, right? Like there were so many times we were just caught laughing because someone made just the worst play or didn't see something coming, and oh yeah. And the cool. body language, the immediate like on and off switch of some like uh, my cousins, Ryan knows Bernard can, uh, even I could just like text them, it's a stink bug, and we'd be yeah. giggling. I would love on the first, you know, you're the first player up and you just, you pass a card. It was always like my brother-in-law to my sister and he was like, it's a stink book. She's like, no. And it wasn't. And then he'd say something else. She'd, she'd call him and he's like, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> he, kept getting, he kept getting nailed. She'd just read him every time and he was getting so frustrated. <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, that's such so, a good, uh, I mean, I love it when uh, like non-gamer hobbyists, this is their introduction and, and it's it's all about all those good brain chemicals going off and you're laughing and you're having fun. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Fun times. So and, yeah. And, and you discover who you can't lie to, which is uh -huh. really good information to have. <laughs> yeah. And you can discover who can lie really well. Uncle Peter, apparently. <laughs> Just that guy. <laughs> it's five bucks. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, no, that's a big uh, home run hit, in my opinion, to keep the metaphor going on with the three at-bats. Yeah. Ooh, that one nice. So, so I got two more here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For, for the Grand Slam, right? I'm going to, and when it's my turn, be like, tip foul, tip foul, yeah. strikeout. Grand Slam, are we at Denny's? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll break the bat on my knee and break my knee at the same time. Okay, so your second one, Luke. Um, you know, probably the game I've been playing most in the last couple months is Concordia. Um, I just... You know, smoothest, most themeless, most perfect Euro that there exists. <laughs> Did in terms you say of, most themeless? It yeah, could have been in space. It could have been in space. <laughs> but it's just, dungeon. it's just so exactly perfect for a midweight Euro experience. And I can't get enough of it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I guess if I just had to choose one midweight Euro that kind of just gave me all the feels of a midweight Euro, I would say Concordia. Mm -hmm. It just does everything so well. And uh, in the last little while, I picked up the Egypt and uh, Krita map, 
which add, add a few little wrinkles to it. You know, there's a river in Egypt and there's some trade routes that you can establish with some of your colonists that you set up. Um, I also got Salsa, the sort of bigger box expansion, uh, which, I mean, this is a long time coming, but uh, we were just happy with the base game for a few years, you know, and now we've sort of added mm-hmm. the salt and those forum tiles. I'm not, I'm not convinced about the forum tiles yet. They seem a little... Eh, I don't I don't know. I think there could have been a better mechanism for purchasing those. They sort of come out in a little conveyor and it's when you play your Tribune card to pick up yeah. all of you know your cards, you get to sort of choose dependent on how many cards were in your uh, discard pile. It, yeah. I don't know. I think there should have been a sort of like a cost rather than uh, sort of an opportunity, it seems like, um, for those special powers. So yeah, I that's, picked up that's, the uh, that's Venus one I have <clears throat> Yeah, but the salt's fun. The sort of having a little wild uh, resource is, uh, it led to some sort of creative strategies. And, and in terms of scoring too, it added a few things. Now, Ryan, was it you? You said you just got the Venus. Uh, yeah, we just we just picked it up. We, we're going to probably bust it out this weekend. Okay, okay. Uh, we, so we, we, have, we got some people coming We can't chat about that yet, but I'm, 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 I'm that's interested. One, uh, that's one purchase that I did today as well too. I uh, okay. When I saw Ryan at the store, it was like, I'm not leaving without Venus. One of us. Why? <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. No, the the team plays got me really kind of intrigued. Kind of like there's a there's a mechanism there where it's like, um, if you get you get extra scoring opportunities if you and your partner are built in the same regions. It's kind of like the the kind of like the idea of that I get around it. So I'm like that seemed pretty pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Where there's like some some bumps. <laughs> I'm not going to explain the the meta part to that is that you're probably tired of your wife handing it to you every time. Like, <laughs> we're going to be on playing... yeah. we're going to be on opposite teams. Oh, <laughs> they're going to be some cool stories. Cool. Well, There's okay. going to be no Game of Thrones incident ever again. <laughs> so Ryan, you want to call that one? Is that a home run hit, Concordia? Concordia is a great one. All right. Yeah, that, that, that's a definitely a top shelf. Okay. Top point, shelf game. point point for the next home run. Let's see this last uh, swing at bat there, Luke. Oh, boy. Okay, well, I'll hit you with something that's totally, totally left field to keep the metaphor going. <laughs> um, opposite opposite field. Yes, yes, opposite Switch field. hitter. So uh, sort of a, a bit of a train game here. I, uh, I ended up doing a math trade uh, with, with a guy out in Montreal who's a uh, – part-time designer and he's designed a game called Norgesbanen. It's uh, a railroad game set in Norway and it actually does have a BGG entry. Uh, so Norges, <laughs> Norgesbanen, if you can believe it. Um, yeah, we were just chatting about different games. I traded him uh, 18XX for for that and another one of his designs. So I, I was really excited to try these things and uh, Norgesbanen, Norgesbanen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to <laughs> fail at that. I actually played with uh, my Norwegian friend whose last name was Nostbakken. So Nostbakken playing Norgesbanen, it was a pretty good mouthful for the evening. <laughs> um beautiful yeah needless to say it's a it's a full-on uh like stock investment game there's not much in terms of the actual building of rail lines essentially um it, it fits in the winsome style you have a you have a bunch of cubes and that represents your rail lines and you you sort of place them out on these they call them lines it's like stops between cities 
And at some point in time, there's a payout phase if all of the stops are met. And so everyone is collectively investing in these lines because each cube they put in will get paid out a certain amount. And so you're sort of always in each other's places and spaces and no one actually owns any railroad lines. You're just all investing and no one actually really owns companies. You just all own shares in them. And it's, it was just, <laughs> the game was all about timing, like absolutely came down to timing. I'm, I'm quite fascinated by it. I need to play it again because, um, yeah, we, we took three fairly divergent strategies and uh, each one was interesting. Yeah. The game fairly quick playing hour and a half, two hours, probably an hour and a half once we get it down. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in that. That's I'm good hoping for that, I'm hoping too, that, isn't it? Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that thing uh, finds a publisher at some point in time. I think it's a, a worthy design for sure. Oh, and what was the name again? Norgesbanen. <laughs> Do you need me to spell that? So. <laughs> so I'm still trying to process when you, when you said your friend's last name and then the game's name, and then uh, I was waiting for like some hockey announcer to tell me that somebody scored because... <laughs> That's the only time I've heard some chain like that before. Mm -hmm. So did I get my third home run with that? <laughs> I, I'm going to say all of a sudden it turned into a, a, like an ice hockey a shinny game. And you, like, yeah, I'm going yeah. to say, I'm going to see if you tuck the, the puck in uh, upstairs he, with the cookie he, jar. He went, he went, he went to a hockey, he went to a fight and hockey game and broke out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That was a, that's the complete. Yeah. Don't throw a ball, throw a puck when you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there cool. you go. End in obscurity. Oh, yeah. I'm, I can't. Uh, I can't. I can't follow that. Well, you know what? I'm gonna try and follow that up um, because of the situation I was in in the last little bit. I played a lot of solo stuff. So if I was gonna play solo stuff, I'm gonna play you know games that are designed with that perspective. So I played a lot of Nemo's War. Nice. 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 Yeah. And uh, I have the second edition. Uh, I got the uh, I, um, the Kickstarter cards. Uh, I think it was just like new upgrades and stuff like that. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, though, what a fantastic game. Four different motifs that you can play in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm not going to go through the entirety. I don't want to review it. But um, just, yeah, the, the as what I'm starting to realize with solo games is that there's a lot of games that call themselves solo because you can play by yourself, but you're, it's not really a solo experience. This game is definitely a brilliant solo mm -hmm. experience because there's times I, I'd be playing and, and it'd be in the same the same uh, room as my son. And he, I, all of a sudden he would just stand, look at me and go, dad, you haven't moved. I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm just staring at the board going, <laughs> so, so what do I do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got that one on my shelf, Norm. Um, I have yet to like really dig into it. Um, that's that's one of the two uh, solo games I've really purchased because I think it's just it it looks like it offers you the story in a different format, right? And oh, that, and something the, I was interested in the flavor on the cards is great because it just maintains that vintage, you know, um, turn of the century narrative. Mm -hmm. um, the artwork uh, O'Toole, I believe, is uh, yeah, Ian O'Toole. Yeah. Um, I'm loving his artwork. I mean, he's starting to get into that echelon of, of, uh, of, of instant choice when it's like, oh, the artwork is done by, okay, mm -hmm. like Manziel. I mean, you, you, you start to hear these, these names that, are, that are, appear over and over with these good quality games. So yay for Nemo's War. Ryan, have you played Nemo's War before? Uh, I have not, but it has definitely piqued my interest at multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I think Victory Point Games... Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I have a few victory point stuff, but in their old kind of pizza box style. Yep. And uh, yep. their second edition stuff, I, um, they, uh, they're, they're doing themselves proud by the good quality uh, work they're uh, producing. So, yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think that was a good choice for them to kickstart that game. It's just such a beautiful production. So, yeah. Yeah, it does. Look, it looks amazing. So, how's my first at bat? That was good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Just, just, yeah, just yeah. sneaked it over the fence. I, th I think you got to third base. Uh, all right. <laughs> and then slid, yeah, slid into home and blew an Achilles tendon out. Um, so um, going in stride with this whole solo experience, uh, and, and it's interesting, the weird connection with Ryan's, is I played a lot of Pandemic Rising Tide. Oh, nice. Oh, I haven't played that one Very yet. Nice. Where it's where instead of a virus, it's water bursting mm. into the Netherlands and mm -hmm. you're having to dam up and, and like, like um, uh, basically shore up a lot of the dam processes, pump water out, uh, do a lot of hydrology. Uh, um, uh, hyd I can't even pronounce it properly. A lot of water stuff. That's yeah. what I'm going to go with. A lot of water stuff. Um, but it, it's the same exact mechanism same card event deck mechanism same uh, you know pandemic -y, epidemic kind of like you mm -hmm, hit four cubes mm -hmm. boom this bursts and you got water flowing the um the way that they shifted this theme over onto a water rather than a virus considering the whole thing going on with my with daniel and 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 the health thing uh, that's that i mean pandemic had it not had the context of what we're experiencing as a family, I probably would have loved the game. But in my head, it's like last thing I want to deal with is a virus in a game. Mm. When mm. I got my hands on Rising Tide and said, "Well, pitch that." Th the I love. I mean, um, it's the same thing in in uh, uh, Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert. That whole mm -hmm. mechanism. It's, it's such a nice <coughs> mechanism to play. I mean, it the is, game yeah. just wants to beat the crap out of you yeah. yeah in terms of in terms of a puzzle it's it's such a beautiful set of mechanisms you know yeah it's good. and this one falls into that 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 category of like what they're they, they've been doing this they released kind of like one of these a year now mm -hmm. one of these uh, these pandemics but it's like set in some sort of uh some some special theme like the latest one that came out was a uh, fall of rome yeah which i want to get my hands on it was about just like fighting back mercenaries and you're yes, part of the roman empire or something yeah. and wasn't that like paulo um what's his name the guy did the ethnos hmm. yeah 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 well, he yeah he worked well, Norm, with the... that uh rising tide is uh co-designed by one of the splatter guys which is is it pretty ridiculous in my mind i mean he's good you know the splatter people i love the splatter games indonesia uh, you know, food chain magnate, all those things. And so it's just, it's kind of a unique uh, co-design there. Oh, because it had such a a, a puzzle. Like it, it mm. was one of those, I you know, I think I reached five times going, eh, no, eh, no, eh, maybe, no, I don't want to mm. do that move. Right. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. yeah. The, cool. Other, the other one that fits in that, that I think is a pandemic. I think it's Iberia. Where yeah. the, the kind of like it was kind of like a railroad um, network building and then um, delivering supplies, okay. rather than hmm. rather than like taking like disease cues up, but you're trying you're trying to keep uh, centers mm -hmm. um, supplied and populated. Yeah, and everything. Like that, so. I I like that it, they're using the system in unique ways. I can't get over the use of the like 
the license pandemic it just doesn't fit for the other ones for me you know? <laughs> like pandemic water no i know i get what they're doing they you know like it's you got to connect branding the, it's a branding piece right yeah, yeah. it's a, so, as they uh, in the industry they call it the evergreen thing right i mean it's yes. like this thing's going to keep producing you money exactly. absolutely it's like uh, um munchkin yeah 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 how many I mean, different munch pandemic munchkin there you go i mean oh, you can, you there's can a million dollar different. idea right there yeah <laughs> Hordes of little minions. Hordes of munchkin coming yeah. at you. Matt Leacock and Steve Jackson, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Pandemic munchkin is going to make you a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, you got your, you got your uh, uh, percentage. I will, not, I will not play it, but it will make you a billion dollars. So that was my second at bat. I'm thinking because we got a good dialogue going that I, I pushed this one over the wall. Good. Good. Yeah. Not, not that I'm calling my own home run, but you know, you Babe Ruth it. I Babe Ruth it. Um, and and the last, you know what, the the one that just recently hit the table. I'm gonna tell the one that I uh, played today. I went to Amazing Stories and did a uh, learn to play session uh, in the afternoon, and we did Flam Rouge. Mm -hmm. And um, man, that's the more I play Flam Rouge, and I have the uh, Peloton expansion. Um, so we did a lot of cobblestone stuff. And uh, cool. the more I play that game, the more I just, it's like, it's pushing downforce right off the shelf hmm. as far cool. as racing games goes. Neat. Yeah. It's a very well done racing game for sure. Yeah. I, I was highly impressed with it. The um, variability. I just love the variability and the, the, uh, the, the fan participation on BGG of people coming up with their own courses and their mm -hmm. own, you know, five series. There's an app that you can get now, a, a Flam Rouge companion, where you, you can do a kind of a legacy season where you, where you tell it <laughs> that we're going to have, uh, I think it's like two to 12 races, and then you could pick the tracks in that. And from, from race to race, I believe you have to keep some of the fatigue that you've gotten during that whole race process so oh yeah i can't I'm, that'd, be, I'm, that'd be fun to set that up there you part go of rob davio <laughs> if you're listening flam rouge legacy is a million, <laughs> this is a million dollar idea 2019 ideas episode right here yeah <laughs> yeah what i was loving the most about this game and and uh, just because of the the subtleties as as you're you're paying attention to the board the artwork um, is set in like the, the vintage time of the, of, you know, like the cyclists in Europe and uh, with the big handlebar mustaches and uh, just, I, yeah, I just, it's such a, it's such a s simple yet um, um, deep and immersive choice kind of game and a rinse and repeat system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it works. It works. It works. I, I have this feeling I only hit a double on this one. There was not much flutter going on with. No, I I love that game too. You know, a part of me, honestly, with that game, I wanted another copy of the base box so you could just build like crazy courses. You know, just bigger, bigger tracks. Yeah, exactly. Or just more interesting, complicated stuff. I the, the tiles are fascinating, but I I wanted more tight turns. I wanted more hills. You know, that sort of a thing. Be like a Hot Wheels and make like a two three level track. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe it's just because I see my son doing that kind of stuff. I'm like, Daddy needs a toy that he can do that with too. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So those are yeah, those are the three that's uh, that uh, right now on my table that I that I'm I, I learning is Three Kingdoms Redux. Oh, so neat. 
Nice. That's a, that's in that's the a three, That's a three player only, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Hey, we're three people. Ooh. I like where you're going with this. Yeah, I like where I'm going with this too. <laughs> All right. So that's basically what we've been doing. Um, uh, I, uh, I'm envious of most of the games except for the ones I can't pronounce, Luke. Norgish <laughs> <laughs> Baden. Yeah, but I do want to make mention this is a perfect opportunity to um, uh, send our support to our fellow Luke. Um, I want you to take some time here and talk about some Hatanuga. Oh, yes, yes. The old Hatanuga rolling up uh, here in May. This will be our third annual train game convention. Um, it's a train game convention that takes place in Medicine Hat, Alberta. Don't get excited, don't stand up and cheer. It's pretty <laughs> the hat. The hat. The hat. <laughs> yes. Um we you know, uh it was, uh I guess twenty seventeen is when we started it and uh the idea was to bring Canadian train gamers together. Uh people who like winsome titles, people who like 18xx, people who like Age of Steam system and that that whole genre of things. And and if you know, if you want to play Ticket to Ride, come on by. We are not discriminating. <laughs> and this is a uh, this is this is sort of the friendly non-curmudgeonly train game convention. Uh, I think you can say that wholeheartedly. It, honestly, the the couple years I've gone, I've made some great friends. Um and it's just it's a great uh, there's a great spirit at this convention. I think do hugely in part to Tyler who's our host and who has one of the largest uh train game collections in the world he is just generous and gracious and sort of creates this friendly environment we just we have fun we just have fun well and you're saying that he's got all these these like rare titles that are absolutely that, yeah yep so it's you know what it's a, it's a chance for me it's a chance for whoever comes to sort of get a good dose of 18xx in for over a weekend which uh, I'm sure you guys know, it, you know, these are longer games. You don't always get a chance to do that. Uh, you also have an opportunity to play rare, uh, you know, rare titles, longer titles if you want. I mean, that's the fun of conventions in some ways. And uh, and you get to meet a whole bunch of people. Um, last year, I'll, I'll say this too, we had a guy fly out from uh, Finland, of all places. <laughs> wow. We also had a bunch of Americans come up from Seattle area. So, you know, oh, cool. it's starting It's starting to draw, um, I think, the attention of people who are interested in train games because it is a bit of a niche in the hobby and not a lot of cons are dedicated to that sort of thing, nor provide the um, the actual resources to play them like we do. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys have the library, which is... <laughs> which is the main thing right there exactly so if you're interested um it's called hatanuga you can google hatanuga although there is a hat company with the same name but we are hatanuga.ca and uh, registration is open there and all the details can be found on that website so if uh let's say somebody like ryan and i went down and we were still scared to play 18xx we could bring like some heavy euros and we wouldn't get shunned would we no you could you'd probably keep them in a corner and you'd be so interested in the 18xx you'd be like why did i bring this excess weight in my car you know we, we'd stand in the corner of the hall and go agricola you gotta just make sure that, that that the game has like has like a train in it see right. snowdonia would pass there no. you go there, okay, you go. I'm, there we go i'm happy <laughs> cool so yeah legitimately i was I, I mean in my head of course there's that one part of the 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 child in me going <gasps> road trip Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was just funny now that you mentioned this because i just remember seeing on twitter um one of the people that we follow uh, trent trent ham uh, the, the good board and ugly crew and 
um, stuff like that. I remember he posted something about games that he's interested in 2019. And uh, I thought it was, it was actually really quite funny. I, I read, I was reading through his thing. Oh, yeah. One of them was like 18, I think it was called Chesapeake. Chesapeake. Chesapeake, that, that's the one that he was. But when I read it, I thought it said 18 Cheapskate. <laughs> It's a hard economic uh, 18x. Kind of like, what would that game look like if it that was? Pretty much defines the way everyone plays those games. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a print and play, and they don't give you any information. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's start this review uh, scenario up. Uh, who wants? Great to, uh... segue. <laughs> well, Great you know, it, it was it felt like a hiccup to me. So it was like. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Let's keep going. Beautiful. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'll step up. I'll take honors here because I got, I've got it all. Of course, me, Mister Teacher, written up and ready to roll. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, and I'm not. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you've got like three laptops going, don't you? Three. What? What kind of teacher? What kind of teacher salary do I make? What? Oh, yeah. Oops. Sorry. Ooh, ooh, whoa, whoa, too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not in a contract year yet. Um, okay, so uh, I'm gonna come out right out of the gates and say I love my Harry Potter. I, as far as you're, like certain IPs. Boy. Oh well, and and not just you know not like the whole kind of you know I I can tell you the really minute freaky details of fan sites and stuff. No, I I mean read the novels, uh, the movies, and again it's a um, one of those IPs where if if anybody has this habit of putting a movie on in the background while they're doing some work, for me, it's either Star Wars or Harry Potter, which runs in the background like my friend talking to me as I'm doing my work. So I love me my Potter. Boys? I'm so glad you put Potter. Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, just because we're Canada now doesn't change the whole lot of things. Uh, what, what was I talking about? Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> um, so the I'm game sorry. is Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, <laughs> uh, designed by Forrest Zan, creative Kami, Kami Mandel, Andrew Wolf. Um, publisher USAopoly, so not your standard, like you know, Asmodee big kahunas. Uh, the um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I have too much USAopoly stuff in my shelves, so. But here's the. Oh, go, sorry. Go ahead. You don't own a lot of Monopoly. No, no. <laughs> so Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. In this cooperative game, you will take on the heroic role of either Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, or Neville Longbottom, in order to defeat a series of evil threats. The villains launch attacks against you in their attempts to conquer the Wizarding World, <laughs> one location at a time. This game is designed to be played over a series of seven increasingly difficult adventures, which correspond to each book in the series, um, to defeat you-know-who once and for all. So what you got to do is playing cooperatively as the heroes. You win the game if you defeat all the villains, each stage or each book as you're going on. Um, uh, All the villains uh, have the opportunity to put influence down and gain control of the location. So it's kind of like a timer that uh, you're you're competing against. Uh, how are the villains, if they manage to gain control of all the locations, game over. Um, what this is, 
as far as uh, the game mechanisms and what you do, uh, like I said, it's cooperative. There's variable player powers because, you know, you're playing each of the different characters and it's a deck building game. I, I got this. I'm trying to find my daughter's at 10 years old now. And she's, I've been introducing her to all these little games, her age. And I'm trying to find that sweet transition game to teach her, you know, higher level mechanisms and, right away she saw harry potter on the shelf and went dad let's play that so i told her okay this is a deck builder this is how you do it we're working together um and uh, i think we we played four games straight and uh she just looked at me and went i said well what, how do you do you like this she goes i'm addicted to this game now <laughs> like, yes yes way to go girl um and I know I asked her what, what she thought of, like I said, okay, other the we played, you know, um, hey, that's my fish, which is like a kind of a movement control area control. And I said, okay, this is what's called a deck builder. And wow, I've never seen someone pinch pennies more than this little girl. Cause she'll sit and look at the market and go, I could buy this one and it would work with my other stuff, but oh, I could, ah, I could spend a little <laughs> bit. Oh, I, I just sit back and go, Okay, I'm afraid for more than one reason right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, the, how you score the points is basically you're you're hitting. There's three kinds of resources in this game. There's there's the damage, which are the lightning bolts. There are um, the influence that you get, which is kind of the currency in the game to buy the market cards. And then there is uh, the the villainous. Uh, um, uh, I will say I can't remember the the specific word, but it's their location influence that you're trying to remove out of the location cards. So it's basically a balance of those three things. You're trying to buy cards, or you're trying to put some damage down, or you're trying to get rid of some of the uh, um, villainous influence, and you're trying to kill these people because as the turn order pro- or as the menu of the turn order goes, the villains have a shot at you before you even have your turn. So they could stun you before you have a chance to do, you know, your your hands worth. And those, I mean, for the for the 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 hobbyists like like we are, and we talk about our deep euros and our heavy stuff. This is so entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like really I don't know cool. if you guys have ever looked at it or seen it or kind of were intrigued by it, but I don't know. Give me give me some give me some feedback. What do you guys think? Well, this is definitely one bit that. <clears throat> I'll be first foremost that I'm I'm not a I'm not a big Harry Potter guy, but I, I've heard I've heard lots of things about like the the gameplay is actually pretty like for the deck building aspects the deck building is actually pretty solid the cho- the choices you're making are are still quite relevant and how how you how you construct and what cards to buy so that you can uh, to help you succeed in a particular scenario so in in that regards it's I, I'm I'm intrigued, but at the same time, it's not it's not a theme that it, it it's that's not one that grab, that, that, that grab that grabs me. I have other deck builders that will probably <laughs> do um, scratch a similar itch. So I I will probably personally not go out of my way. Mm-hmm. Though I I have been intrigued with it because it that like I said like the art the art looks kind of it it would draw in a, a typical Harry Potter fan. Um, this definitely it, a family game. Like this isn't one you're gonna bring to Luke. This isn't one you're gonna bring to your Wednesday night game group and go, "Hey guys, <laughs> we had 18xx Norway before, and oh, here's some Harry Potter." 
Yeah. You know, I, I'm probably at the opposite end of Ryan here. I, I would be attracted to the game because of the theme. I also enjoy the nice. Potter world. Um, but I'm not I'm not a huge deck building uh, fan in general, although I do appreciate the mechanism in terms of, uh, you know, you, if you know one deck builder, you're going to be able to like transition yep. into a different one. Um, my, my personal favorite is trains still. Huh. Go figure, right? So, <laughs> who who would have known that one? Um, yeah, exactly. What I really appreciated with this one is because it, it runs through, uh, and in the box you open it up, and the first box is book one, and they scaffold the learning curve of what a deck builder is and what it what it could be because we're at book five, and I know book six and book seven. Each box has a unique little thing that they're adding every time, and they're they're basically kind of like just scaffolding or, or, or branching out this ability of what a deck builder can do. And I think after we play this one, Sophie's going to like nod her head and go, all right, give me some hero realms or some star realms or some mm -hmm. clank or something. Right. So yeah, it, it would be a good, yeah. A, a jumping off, jumping off point into, into the deck building category. Yeah. Well, Whereas, I'm gonna... like, most, most people would be like, I would say dominion. A lot of people would select the 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 godfather, the grandfather of all deck builders. Yeah, <laughs> I've mm -hmm. I've I've not played Dominion, so I can't really <clears throat> ring in on that one. But I, yeah, I agree that was that was the quintessential. Um, let's. Uh, I'm going to start off with my outside in the box. The box looks like an old vintage 1940s suitcase that you would take to the Hogwarts Express. So it right away it's as far as as the Matic goes, Luke. You would totally have fun because there's all these little patches and stickers. If you know your your uh, if you know your books, you'll mm. go. Oh yeah, that's a subtle you know hint at this or that. Nice. The board itself is the Marauders map, right? Like the artwork that's in the background. Cool. So that's really cool. cool. The I'm not usually <laughs> a big fan of uh, of games using the movie art, but this oh, okay. like. Yeah, like 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 actual live shots from the show, they use that in this because they're going from book one all the way to book um, seven, so they have to document um, the like the growth of the characters, yeah. and uh, each I, th I think it's like uh, every odd book um, you get an upgraded character card that has different powers as they're growing up. So Harry has you know certain powers at a young age, and then as he's growing up, he's you know, with the, I think the, the next one that I'm waiting for that I'm thinking he might have like a Patronus charm that he can do as his power kind of thing. So that's kind of cool in regards to um, with the components and the artwork. Um, the rule book, it's like we just had said, it's a deck builder. A deck builder is a deck builder. Um, they, they don't go too, like they only use three resources, so they don't go too crazy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think that the designers definitely respected the fact that this is for a family. If mm. other people want to play it that are outside of that market scope that they're designing for, cool. But th I think they hit it with the, with the rule book. They kept it clean. They kept it simple, good visuals. Um, the game system, it's a deck builder. Mm -hmm. But when we, with, with us in our, in our format, we like to hit that unique mechanism and the unique mechanism is you get to be the characters, man. You get to, like, <laughs> this is so cool, right? I mean, nice, just for nice. the same reason I love playing Star uh, the Star Wars Rebellion. Mm -hmm. 
right? You get to be the the umpire, right? Um, that's the uniqueness of this game is you get to play in the shoes of those characters. Um, does this all connect? Oh, I'm having so much fun. Yes, it does all connect. My And what I'm loving the most is watching this game make that experiential connection with my daughter because that's who we're, that's who's playing it. Sophie and I, um, like I said, we're on just at the end of book five and she is so dialed in. It's, I'm so impressed. Um, my conclusions, I couldn't be happier. Um, I know that there's an expansion called the monster box of monster expansions, I think. And I think it's just more cards, more content. So, um, as as far as I'm concerned, with this, oh yeah, and I don't know if we've ever, Ryan, you you, I think in one of the Twitter communications, you said we need to have that as our review scale is top shelf, mid shelf, bottom shelf, fell in the garbage, <laughs> gamers garage sale. Yeah, yeah, hit the garage sale box. Um, <laughs> this game is sitting on the nice safe middle part of the middle shelf where all the family games are, where Dragon Castle is, where Ticket to Ride is. That's where this one's living because um, nice. it's, it's yeah, it's like Sophie, like, her, yeah, it's that, it's that same look in her eye that I got when <laughs> I started discovering these modern, you know, board games, you know, this kind of, it can be this, this is awesome. So, yeah. The, I can't. Yeah. I can't get over the fact that you get to be the characters. I mean, how unique can you get? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my conclusion. It's nice. gonna sit comfortably in the middle of the shelf, without risk of, you know, getting bumped. Nice. Cool. Sweet. So great review. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, I'm gonna hand this. I'm gonna hand this transition, this hiccup of a transition, off to you. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you might also need to uh, help me transition with some of the details here. I, like Ryan, am uh, less prepared than the norm. Just so. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I, you know, I can, I can walk you through. So, uh, what game do you? What game are you going to talk to us about? I'm going to be talking about John Company which is a game designed by Cole Worley, who also happens to be the artist. Uh, Cole, he's done a number of Sierra Madre games, and this is actually published by Sierra Madre. I think sort of the first one that he might have been known for was Pax Pamir, which was the second game in the Pax series. If you're familiar with the Sierra Madre Pax series, it's Pax Porfiriana, Pax Pamir, there's Pax Emancipation, there's Pax... Oh, there's so many now. Renaissance, that was a big one just, you know, a year or two ago. Um, So John Company comes from the mind of Cole, who is also uh, the designer of the now, I think, critically acclaimed, we might say, Root. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we had we had some we had some humming there. That's that's good. Yum. <laughs> yes. So I mean, I think this guy's fantastic. He's just very interesting. If you ever get a chance, I would highly recommend uh, following him on Board Game Geek, uh, just because his posts are always insightful and interesting, especially when he does game design diaries and those sorts of things. He has just a different way of looking at game design than I think a lot of your typical. Let's not, well, maybe I shouldn't use the word typical, you know, uh, designers who are designing a game that's smooth and Euro-esque, I think he just bucks the trend and is just trying interesting things. And I think there's a, there's an audience and a niche that's, uh, that's curious about that sort of a thing. So yeah, in terms of the, uh, actual 
do, do I hit up uh, sort of, you know, the components and production of this thing? Well, did, did I have the review here or the overview. Do you want me to read the overview oh, for I, you? I mean, I can read it too. I've got it up here oh, as well. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, John Company is uh, like, I think we said in the intro about the British East India Company and over its 250 year history, it grew to become one of the most influential commercial and political organizations in the world. Its profits catapulted the British Empire to global dominance and shaped the fate of some of the world's great nations, but its ascent was anything but easy. The company was filled with diverging interests and struggled constantly at home and abroad. John Company attempts to tell the story of the British East India Company from the inside out. And so players will steer the dynasties through the company's history, vying for positions, power, and prestige. The goal of the game is simple. Use the company and the company's trade to secure your place in society back home. To this end, you guide your Sion Skyans. <laughs> plebs. Let's use plebs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> through their careers, um, exchanging favors for, for positions in London or plush colonial posts. Players collectively control the company, facing tough budgetary decisions and conflicting interests. Should a governor conduct a campaign to expand company holdings or invest in his region's infrastructure? Perhaps the honest tax revenues would be better diverted to expand his summer estates back home. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> If that didn't get you rip-roaring excited, then what would, right? Every um, commerce department and every university is getting fired up right now. I, I hope so. It's <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, you know, the game really is about how you manipulate uh, a sort of cooperative environment. Because <laughs> the thing is, you're playing this game as, and I would probably suggest playing with at least four players. It's just quite interesting when you have so many more competing interests. Um I, I'll, I'll give the overview of how it sort of functions, I suppose. But, you know, if you, if you ever get a chance to look at the board, and this touches on the design a little bit, <clears throat> it sort of looks like um, those sketches or doodles that some of your kids might have made in the classroom while listening to your lectures. Um. <laughs> a a flowchart of what's going on. How yeah. did I get here? Yeah. How do yeah. I get out? Exactly. And, you know, it's quite functional. And I think it has its own kind of beauty. Um, I don't know if you guys ever remember those RSA animate on... Uh, YouTube it's you know when there's a an artist who's sketching out basically like a lecture or a topic or something I could see that happening with John company you're basically like you know <laughs> walking through this thing but it, it really is just a set of flow charts with a bunch of boxes for you to take actions and do things in um, the crux of it is you all have uh, a set of cubes which represent your family and like the description said, you're trying to manipulate it so that your family ends up in these prestigious positions, which, you know, are calculated as victory points in the end. And so there's a deck of cards. Yes, there's a deck of cards in this that are different victory point conditions. And you shuffle that deck and you bring six out. And so at the start of each game, you're going to have a totally different set of opportunities in terms of where you're going to retire and advance and, and how you can score points with people. And so that kind of determines how you might manipulate your way up there um, but sort of the the main flow of the game is you you uh, you take actions to bring your family members into positions whether it be military or shipyards or industry or as writers or as captains and and these people then potentially again this is all potentially because it's all player driven move into offices within the company so there's senior positions that start to make decisions as, as to where to allocate those resources and where to bring things then there are um, executive positions that uh, get to then distribute those resources and 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 it's such a fascinating game in the sense that everything is flowing 
resources, people, and you need to figure out where am I going to go in this current? Um, so, I mean, I think the crux of the game uh, hinges on there's three, they call them presidencies. And these are three executive positions that are tied to trade in India. Um, you know, at the time, obviously, this was a, a company exploiting uh, colonial regions here. And basically, these presidencies are trying to make the company money. That's the that's the main way this company is going to stay afloat. Um, in the middle of the game board, there's a little income chart. And at the end of every turn, you've got to pay upkeep for your military, you've got to pay upkeep for your captains, you've got to, and then you've got to pay out the shareholders. And that's another thing, you might have family members who are all, uh, you know, on the board of directors, and you've got to pay them out. And there's just, it is unbelievable you know i think we did our we had a teaching game about a month ago uh with a group that we've committed to regular games of this and it's not that complex to play because it is like a flow chart like it's pretty much you do this sequence you do this sequence you do this, this sequence but within each sequence uh, it is there's a lot of complexity um i you gotta, I, you gotta give us the whole um your at least your take on the the is it the influence cubes the influence cubes, yes. Well, oh. I mean, there, there's a there's a little mechanism to cutthroat. prevent uh, nepotism as well, <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's very tempting, right? When you have the higher executive positions who do hiring for the senior positions, who in turn do hiring, you know, from from the plebs that you've you, you've sort of sent in there to favor your own family. But every time you favor your own family, the nepotism rule comes into play, which means that you have to give one of your cubes to someone else who you've sort of you know usurped. Offended. Offended, exactly. And and the family cubes are limited. And of course, you want all of them in positions of power where they can ultimately retire. <laughs> and so throughout the game, you're going to lose cubes, right? Like your cubes, you're going to get uh, depleted. That's stock, essentially. And so, yeah, does that that sort of covers the overview of your experience? I know, Norm, you, you and I played this once. Oh, yeah, I've played <laughs> it a, a few times. And um, I was, as you're as you were having such an excellent description of it, I was giggling my head because every time I play, I just sit back and you know how you get in the zone and all of a sudden you have that little snapshot moment of you kind of like watching yourself play. And I, I usually sit there and go, I'm playing a BBC documentary about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. about like Horatio Nell. It's like, I, I'm playing a black and white BBC documentary here about finances in the, yeah, I just, but it's, the what I love about it is that it's a cooperative game with a knife to everybody's throat. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. That's 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 <laughs> you know the thing is um, the game itself can actually self implode and the company can sink. And I don't think I finished a game yet. Exactly, because exactly. we, we've we've like crashed the company. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. we, uh, our last play, we were trying really hard to keep the company afloat just to experiment with that, right? It's fascinating. It's, you know, and it's got luck and randomness because um, every time you're doing actions with the presidencies, whether it's through uh, trying to do... Oh, yeah, know, the dice uh, roll. Yeah, do trade or conquer different territories or provinces, set up governorships in those places. There's always dice rolls. But you can um, mitigate that to a certain extent, though. Yes, with resources and money. Yeah. Um, but I find this is the kind of game where I enjoy that bit of randomness um, because it's, I think at its heart, a bit of a storytelling game. Like it's got deep strategy. It's got deep player interactions, but it's the kind of the game you can walk away with being like, this was totally fascinating and have something to talk about with your friends. You could sit there and analyze it afterward for as long as you played it and enjoy it just as much. 
so that's that's the kind of experience you're in for if you're in for John Company. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to explore this a bit more. We've got a commitment for you know another couple couple weeks at least on this title. So, well, let's run through the outside <laughs> in. Um, uh, I'm gonna hold uh, that up there, and uh, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. the there's the box art. Let's uh, let's start off with the box. What do you think about that, Luke? I love that art. It just is so, <laughs> it invokes the time period just perfectly. I don't know who this guy is. He's just like some British snob who just, <laughs> and it's who like, just wants to run this company. And there's like paint crackling that you could see. Has, yes. has yes. Oh, yeah. In the script. <clears throat> the script, everything. You know what? The Moving on to the rule book itself, um, it's got a great look to it. It sort of looks like a... 18th century uh pamphlet of some sort yeah document and it's you know it's got a little bit of that flavor text of that uh that time period there the actual rules themselves um it's a complex game and i think it's laid out well enough but it definitely benefits from a teacher rather than a a a learn from the rules kind of a game but that's Um, that's on par with (laughs) sierra madre games right i mean it's yeah the rule books are written like they're textbooks in my opinion yeah and this one you know i'll give it credit it is far and away better than most of phil eklund's work um who is the other sort of primary designer at sierra madre i think cole's got a bit more of a a sense for rules writing there which is its own kind of art form (laughs) um uh let's i'm just gonna go to the the components i think you mentioned a bit about the cubes and such yeah Uh, uh, anything revolutionary no, minimalist, functional. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the what you're expecting from Sierra Madre, maybe even surprising. <laughs> you know, the ships kind of look like ships. And, uh, <laughs> hey, that's saying something. So, <laughs> Cool. So, okay, you talked about the game system, uh, but unique. What's the most unique thing about that game? Because, I mean, you've dedicated a game night and a, and a, a few sessions to this. So there's got to be something in your brain that pulls that. Like besides everything, it is (laughs) fully and wholly unique as a game. It's something, if you want to try something that is so outside of the realm of all the different genres of game, it just, it, it collects together some elements that I appreciate player interaction wrapped up in fascinating theme, semi-cooperative knife fight, it it's just it's it's the whole package, man. This is yeah. this is quite the game. Oligarchy, the commerce experience. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So cool. And uh, every, I'm I'm gonna try to wrap this segment for you. Does this all connect? It does. Yeah, in my experience so far, <clears throat> and mind you, I um I haven't had a chance to play the full game where the company, the possibility is once the company breaks, you can sort of pick up the little, you can scavenge the pieces of the company and you can sort of put together basically your own shareholdings in different companies, much like an 18xx stock game, which fascinates me. I just need a day to devote to that sort of an experience. Yeah. So it comes together. I think the the short game, let's put it that way, actually plays in a relatively decent amount of time. You're going you're gonna to sort of be in for your regular two to three hour sort of uh, experience, which is great because the, the depth of gameplay and the story that emerges from this, oh, it's fantastic. Cool. So what's your conclusion? This is a like top shelf game for me. Um, I don't know if I would 
like I'm, I'm enjoying that I'm, I'm hitting it up a whole bunch of weeks in a row for a good session here, but it's not one of those games where I can say, oh yeah, that's for sure a top 10 for Luke because it just requires people who know the system. It's not something I can crack out and be like, oh yeah, let's randomly tonight work on John Company. No, yeah. you know, like even each week between sessions, I got to read the rules again. I, I'm, I'm still learning little bits and pieces. It's one of those that is more of a, a, a study than it is a entertainment experience. I was going to say, uh, if sometimes you, you got to prepare like a seminar class. Yeah. So if you find that fun. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you like to be evaluated for everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, for one, I'll chime in finally. I have had opportunities to play John Company. It just has never worked out for me to uh, like attend a John Company. Right? For me, I am intrigued and excited to try to try this because mm -hmm. I think it hits lots of the things that I would enjoy. Like when you say like the, the player interactivity, I love it when the game has player interactivity to it. Mm -hmm. So this one does that. And then plus like, yeah, the, 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 the strategic, like the, the economics, the probably oh. the, the, the quote unquote math behind things. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got all those layers. It's sort of like diplomacy meets, Twilight Imperium meets, you know, some sort of uh, economic game. It's just, it's really fascinating. The table talk that you can get into is, I think there's huge potential there. We haven't even explored that that aspect yet. What I love the most about it, and it comes down to a lot of the games, of course, I keep talking about the experiences, um, but the used car salesman, little part that comes out in everybody in this game Oh, it is so priceless. You just yeah. see people yeah. going, hey, this would be a good idea. Yeah. How many cubes are you going to give me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just like that. Oh, it's your best snake oil pitch. Oh, everybody turns into like, like a grandstand. I got the best deal for you here. Oh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I just, that's the part I love the most about it. And uh, like you mentioned diplomacy, just that whole, um, yeah, that whole bartering system that which yeah. isn't even written into the rules. I mean, like you said, you got to have the right group of people to sit down and 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 and. But then that then we get into this whole meta gaming talk about. It's like now you're playing with the personalities at the table, as well as the game, that's trying to bury you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Nice. Yeah, so that's so that's <laughs> John Company. Yeah, if you've known me, I I loved a meta game anything yeah. is possible for everybody uh, you know what and we talked about you today too ryan because they said oh yeah we were the ryan's doing a, a scythe learn to play tomorrow at amazing stories and uh and every kelly's first person has said yeah if ryan starts to get quiet attack him <laughs> or if ryan starts talking too much attack him yeah because yeah if he starts to if ryan if odd. ryan's in the game just attack him yeah <laughs> Yeah, though you, I think John Company, your 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 head would just pop because this, yeah, this is, and of course too, of course you'd be like, okay, next game we play, I I'm not gonna trust you at all, oh, and yeah. then it would backfire. <laughs> okay, and Ryan, that's how the company goes to ruin. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. I want to finish that game. I feel so useless. Okay. <laughs> so right, Ryan. Oh, am I bringing this home? You bring it, yeah, yeah. You're wrapping this one up. What, what, what's our time stamp at? How, how much time do I have? Well, considering the start we had, I think we're at 
we, we, we could, I could get this show into about an hour and 15. <laughs> I, I won't take it. My, my review is it's not going to be a really lengthy one. Um, it will have some depth. I'm going to be talking about uh, a game called Coimbra or Coimbra. 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 Um, which generated actually a fair a fair bit of hype um, um, last year. It was popping up on a lot of um, podcasts and a lot of people's um, top games of, of, of the year. Um, it was on my radar. I just never, ever got a chance to uh, checking it out or trying it out at one point in time. So um, I actually went out to Amazing Stories and picked this one up um, when I was done jury duty. <laughs> 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 as kind of like our little reward uh my wife jen said that i could go out and i could i could, I could get a game it's like and we'll, and we'll play this as kind of like your reward for for being done and so i i picked up coimbra because i've been very very intrigued about it it's your generic euro midweight euro which the theme is pasted on it's got a but it's got a fantastic puzzle to it which is what's kind of drawn me into it um Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here I'll read. I'll read the order. Should I do the overview? Yeah, I do the overview. Okay, okay. It's a good, solid. Structure. Yeah. So, so it. So they say it's the age of discovery, and Portugal's largest cities are prospering: Lisbon, Porto, and especially Coimbra, with its <laughs> famous universities. Um, as as the head of one of Coimbra's long-established houses, you sense that the city's growing wealth is also causing a feeling of insecurity amongst the citizens. So you employ your legion of security guards to offer protection to the city's most influential council members, merchants, clerics, and scholars. After all, you want to clinch favors from some of them, but not all of them can be persuaded with money. There are many ways to victory, but whether you focus on increasing your monetary income, recruiting new guards, fostering academic progresses, furthering your relations with surrounding monasteries, or investing in voyages... In the end, you'll be victorious only if you can discover and use the ever-changing synergies that will that each game provides. On top of that, the struggle for Coimbra's most useful citizens is sure to be exciting, thanks to a special dice drafting and placement mechanism. Oh, dice drafting. <laughs> in which each chosen die not only determines the order of play and the cost of your bribe, but also what kind of income you will receive later. After four rounds, the game ends. Add up your victory points. Yada yada yada. Euro time. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so 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 in Coimbra, what you're going to be doing is it's it's at heart it's a dice drafting game. Every round, and I believe I mentioned you got four rounds. You're going to draft three dice. Essence, you've got twelve actions that you're only going to take throughout the course of the of the whole game. So of course, this is going to be one of those really nice efficiency puzzles that I so so enjoy. I've got 12 actions. How can I maximize what I'm going to do with these 12? Now, it has mentioned dice drafting. And Norm, I know you're a fan of dice dice games and dice drafting. Uh, I believe Signore is one of your top favorite games. And so this has got a uh-huh. little bit of that, of that little Signore feel to it. Um, drafting one dice in this game has... So many decision points because <laughs> here's what one dice so one dice is going to do this for all these things for you first off it's going to determine um the so the value of the dice is going to determine 
um, the order in which people get to select actions. Um, what you're going to do when you take the dice, you're going to place it in one of these four columns, uh, one of these four rows, sorry. And the rows get evaluated highest dice to lowest dice. And so when I select a dice, I put it in my little, uh, there's little player color castles and it says, okay, I own this dice. I'm putting it here. And they're all going to get evaluated highest to lowest. So you're jockeying for position of when you're going to get to select a person. I'll get to the cards a little bit in a little bit. Um, so, so player order of who gets to select what the value of the dice also determines how much you're going to pay. So if I take a six dice, I'm going to go right to the front of the line, but I'm also going to have to pay six and there's two resources. There's military strength and money. And so I'll either have to pay six military strength or six money, depending on the character that I'm going to buy. After all that, it's also going to determine all the dice have a different color. And the color represents what kind of income you're going to receive at the end of a round. And so there's four different colors. There are gray, which represents the council members. They increase your military strength. Um, there's the orange, which are the merchants, and they increase your money. Um, there's the purple dice, which are clerics, which allows you to gain um, access to monasteries. And then the green are scholars. They score you points. That that's they they have nothing special. They're scholars. They give you points, knowledge, I guess. So one dice is going to determine. Oh, so I'm going to select here. I'm going. Oh, okay. I'm going to take a five. Five is going to maybe let me get an early access to a car. I'm also going to have to make sure I have five of something to pay. Oh, plus the color. What do I want to get at the end of the round because I selected this color? So one dice, and I have to select three of these in a round which is just sometimes it's just mind boggling of like, what do I want to do? What can I afford? What do I want to get? Really, really, really interesting. Cool. So the whole thing is about is, the, is these cards. There's um, uh, what you're going to do at the beginning of the game is you're going to lay out this big grid of cards, um, uh, three, uh, yeah, three, three by four. So you're going to get 12 cards every round. And the cards are just all unique characters. They're all unique characters and they all have some sort of special bonus or ability that you can get, or some sort of point scoring opportunity, or even just, just resources. They, mm -hmm. so many, so many things that they can uh, do for you. Um, so when I select one, they're going to have a color on them and they all call They all correspond to either being council members, merchants, clerics, or scholars, and they all have a value and they progress you up these income tracks. So I might buy this um, scholar and he's got a value of three on him. So if I buy him, I get three bumps up on the green scholar track. So that later on, if I do take a green dice as part of my income, I'm going to wherever I am on that track, I'm just going to collect that income at the end of the round, as long as I chose that color dice. Okay. And so there's four of these tracks. One's going to get you as higher up you go, the more military strength you get. The other one, higher up you go, more money you get, um, more points you can get with the scholars. And then the most unique one is the, uh, is the purple track, the clerics. And what they allow you to do is this movement. Part of the game board is like this, um, if you ever played Orleans or Orleans, um, there's that whole, there's the whole, uh, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> it's getting late. 
Mm -hmm. um, there's that whole, there's the whole movement uh, of town to town aspect. Well, this has that too. And so the purple track allows you to um, gain movement points. Cool. And you, you get to move your little guy um, so many spaces to try to get to these towns and these towns, or sorry, these monasteries all have unique things. They either give you resources or they give you point scoring opportunities or lots of different things. And the ones that you're really close to give you small benefits. And then the farther out from the center of the town, the, the farther out you go, the, the, the better the rewards get. There's, there's level ones, there's level twos, and then there's level threes. And the, you'll be getting to the level twos and level threes towards like the end of the game, which will allow you to gain bigger bonuses, bigger point scoring opportunities um, based off things that you may have done in the game already. Cool. Yeah, so, and then it's all laid out very well. You got you have your little player board where you track your military, you track your income, and it lays out all the phases very well. So like, hey, here's the dice drafting. Okay, here is the actual recruiting. So you're going to pay for your people. Okay, now you collect your income. Okay, now you get to, the, at the very end of the round two, if you have extra resources left over, if you have extra military or extra money, you can what they call fund a voyage and the voyages are all end of game scoring opportunities um mm -hmm. get a point for get one point for every person that you've recruited past 10 so if i recruited like 14 people i'll just get four extra points at the end of the game yeah mm -hmm. some of them would say hey, if you've recruited you get two points for every merchant you've collected um and and some things like that and you do this four times. You do this for four rounds, 12 actions. If you've got a lot of points at the end of the game, you're probably going to win. Oh, <laughs> I still can't wrap my head around the fact that you only got 12 actions. That's... Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like there are so many various options and tracks to consider. Do you, did you find in your plays that you can... So you have to diversify a little bit in terms of where you're all utilizing. I, I, I can guarantee with the limited number of plays I've been through, which I've been <laughs> checking the stats six. I've played it six times since the middle of January. Nice. Um, no two games have ever played out the same. Um, Cause it all depends on when you roll the dice at the beginning of the round, what the values are. Um, some some values because you want higher values as so you get your first pick of a person. Um, some the all the cards are all shuffled so that you're gonna see all of the cards in a game, but the order that they come in and what rows they're in are always gonna be different. Okay. Um, but there is definitely so many different ways that you can go. Though we have kind of come across maybe a, one strategy is slightly a little bit better. Um, if you're able to um, select the purple dice, the one that gives you the movement around to the monasteries, um, the person who's able to travel the most um, usually is in a better position to uh, to uh, to win the game because they are going out and they're collecting extra resources and collecting extra opportunities to score um, <clears throat> bonus points and stuff like that. Okay. The, but you stay it's a relatively well balanced game from what i can tell mm. because i will we can still stay competitive with other people that are doing that traveling strategy but i might just be focusing on just collecting a whole bunch of just one type of person and really 
trying to focus on an end game scoring opportunity and, and funding those voyages and stuff like that at the end of a round. Neat. But at the end of the get at the end of the That's day, it. it's a Euro. Yeah. It's a midweight Euro with the, the theme could have been, <laughs> here's my, here's my usual stick. The theme could have been anything. Could have been in space. It could have been in space. Yeah. Actually, I, I would actually be really intrigued, intrigued about how this would have worked in space, but uh, that's another topic for another day. There are um, so many analogies uh, between Euro themes and space themes. Maybe Europe is ooh. space. <laughs> what? <laughs> Game designers, you heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> so I didn't process, man. Okay, so we so, got your uh, standard box. The... Oh. Okay, the box. So you got your standard ticket to ride sized box. The art on this thing, I'm going to show you guys if you haven't had a chance to see it, but it is gorgeous. No. It is so bright, so beautiful. Lots of like nice like oh, nice uh, vibrant pastels. The 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 board really pops out at you at the on the table. It's your standard euro, so you got a lot of it's wooden components. You got meeples, you got little discs lots actually you got lots of little discs to kind of track what you've done where you have been on the traveling um your progress up these various tracks um cards that you have claimed mm -hmm. um type type deal so lots of little wooden components there the variability is through the roof because everything is so rent everything the whole setup is randomized so all those level one buildings that are laid out on the on the board um you don't ever use all of them in a game and they're all randomly where they're going to get placed. Same with the level twos and the level three buildings. You're, they're all randomly selected out of a pile and where they are placed is, is, is always completely random. And then of course the order in which the cards come out are always random. The end game scoring opportunities are all random. So the, the, the gameplay is quite, quite variable based off of the setup standpoint. So no two games are ever going to feel the 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 same. Nice when yeah. when, when you're when you're playing it. Um, what's my next thing that I have to game talk about? Game system and game style. <laughs> so you talked about the dice drafting. My first thing is what I want to ask. Oh, oh, we lost oh. Norm <laughs> for, for the first time ever. I think we've lost Norm. Hello. Okay, hey. there you are. Yeah. Hey, you're back. I'm back. Apology now. accepted. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. What I was, what I was, uh, you know, this, um, game system, game style, it's, it's dice worker placement. And usually in a, in a game like that, you're kind of draft blocking sometimes, but you only got 12 choice. You have got 12 turns. So, Oh, I know. And so in do this one, on do you block like, oh, I'm this one. I don't have right now. The, this one doesn't have the blocking that I, that I, that I think that would typically go on. Yeah. You can, can see that, Hey, if Ryan selects an orange dice this time, he's going to gain a lot of income this round. Like he's going to, he's going to get a lot of money to use in a, in a future round and everything. But that, I have another opportunity. I've got so many other dice that I can say, well, okay, well, if you don't let me get the orange one, well, at least I'm probably going to get a gray one, which is also income for me and I can purchase other things. They may not be the things that I want to purchase, but mm -hmm. that, that really there's no, 
there's bad no hate choice. Dropping. Yeah. There's no bad choice when you're selecting the the, the character cards. Cool. Yes, there's optimal choices, and the optimal choices always seem to be fairly obvious. But if somebody <laughs> gets to there before you, right. there's always a there's, there's there's another opportunity. It may not have been the best one for you, but at least you're still going to remain competitive. Cool. In in, in, the, in the long run. What's the uniqueness oh. of this game to you, man? For dice drafting and income tracks and everything, I've seen all these things before. I think this one kind of takes like the best things of various things that I've that I've explored, like the the, the traveling, like in Orleon. It has a little bit of that, and it has these income tracks that I that I've seen in so many other Euro type <clears throat> games. But I think the one unique thing about this is part of the dice drafting is that when I draft that one dice, it has so many different implications. Rather than it's just one thing, like, hey, if I take this dice, it's going to be my um, how much I have to pay to take my action this round. But no, it's also it's my turn order in the selecting. It's also how much I have to pay. It is also going to be my income that I'm going to receive at the end of the round. It's mm-hmm. three, like a, like really, a multi-use card. It's a multi-use dice. Yeah, and they're but they're three big decisions. <laughs> mm. <laughs> There are three big decisions because I'm like, I got to know what I got to, I got to set myself up for the future rounds. I don't want to spread myself too thin by spending too much. Um, but I do want to make sure that I get these other cool. Like, hey, look, there's those cards in there and they, they have some synergy with some of these other cards that I've already drafted. Cool. And, and bought throughout the game. So yeah, this is a, this is a fairly interesting midweight year. I can see why it did generate Lots of buzz, lots of hype um, in, in, in 2018. Um, it's very good. Cool. Does, it, does it stand above the rest? Well, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm probably the guy that has like the midweight. I, I have like probably the, 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 the who's who of midweight euros in my collection. I have a ton of them. This one doesn't stand above and beyond all those other ones. It is a very good puzzle. Um, I will definitely never turn down a play of it. It'll probably sit around that mid shelf. It's not going to, it's not top shelf worthy. Okay. Not top shelf worthy. Um, I forgot to mention that the designers of this game were uh, Virginio Gili and Flamina Brassini. They have been uh, designers in projects of games that I really enjoy. Um, Virgio Gili has been part of a Grand Austria Hotel, okay, which is one of my wife and I's favorite Euro games to play as a two as a two player couple. And um, they've also been they are also co designers along with Simone Luciani on uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, oh, which is another fantastic Euro game. Um, so the, the design pedigree is there, published by Eggerspiel. Eggerspiel seems like whatever they touch is gold. Mm-hmm. It's, gonna, it's pumping out dollars for them left, right, and center. This is no exception to it. It's a very good game. For me, who owns a lot of these types of style of games, I can appreciate that it's a very, very good game. I can see what it's doing. It plays in like that one-hour range because you've only got the 12 actions, the four rounds. It's like, yeah, that's that one hour, 90 minutes tops type puzzle, puzzly game. It'll stay mid-shelf. I'm just gonna, it's going to stick around for a while. I still There's still lots of things I want to explore with it. I'm starting to become more of a depth gamer. 
I like I like I like that's that's pretty yeah, solid. Yeah, with the yeah, there, there's still other things I want to try. I want to try winning a game not using the travel strategy. I want to try to f- figure out some other card combinations and stuff like that. But no, it's a it's very it's a, it's a, it's a solid Euro entry. Cool. I'll, I'll put it that much. Cool. The uh, the one thing that makes me not want to play it, and it's because I've heard this a lot on uh, Twitter, is people say that this is this replaces for them Signori. I don't want to pr- replace Signori. <laughs> I love Signori. You. It, okay. Uh, I don't <laughs> and know. You played I, Signori. Like I mean, I, that's I, why I, I'm waiting. I, for I, this it. I really like it. Like, like again, um, if this one came out before Signori. I think I would have liked this one more. But since I played Signori first, and we have such a deep connection with that game, I love that game too much. Yeah. I don't know if it stands above. I don't think it stand, goes above it yet. Okay. But maybe if I play it more. Maybe if I play it more. Ah. But it's that, but it's that we, we've had this discussion before. It's, it's harder for these types of games like Coimbra to really stand above and beyond everything that's already out there and things that are coming out. It's, it's, it's a tough market right there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that whole midweight, that, that, that midweight Euro. It's hard to um, push something off the shelf in that midweight range. Yeah. That like middle, for us, middle shelf, as it were the middle yeah, like, shelf. Yeah. Like, 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 like for us, like this would never replace something like five tribes. Five tribes is like our quintessential, like midweight, um, your, your Euro type game. Um, there's going to be very few things that are going to, replace that one for us okay cool so your conclusion is it requires more depth more breadth more breadth more depth a few more gameplays it's i don't let this, it's a very good game and i can see a lot of people really enjoying this one and i can see i i appreciate where all the hype came from it is very well designed and a very good puzzle mm-hmm. but i but i i own lots of really good puzzles already I'd I'd be willing to give it a try, but I I'd feel like I was cheating on Signori or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you don't you don't have you don't have to get get married. Oh, I'm <laughs> man. I, when I'm committed, I'm committed. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, I think that that was a pretty good uh, pretty good roundup tonight. Uh, any parting commentary, gentlemen? Any anything you want to add before we head out? No, no, stay warm. <laughs> except for the except for the fact that it's cold outside. It's getting warmer though. It uh, so, you know, today when, was actually a nice day without yeah, the yeah. wind. Oh, when when we have to say minus twenty is a nice day, you know you've been living in a <laughs> Celsius for our American listeners. Minus twenty yeah. Celsius. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's still freaky deaky cold. Oh my goodness! Yeah, All right, no, I'm looking forward to teaching my teaching scythe tomorrow. Nice. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and step away and see if I can get in a game. I have to yeah. see how many daddy points I have. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. This is uh this is if this is our start to the season to the new year, then I'm very happy with this. It's a little late. Again, I'm so sorry. But uh, you know, it's that's, it's, it's it's a school break right now, so <laughs> well um uh thank you for listening. I'm your host Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Luke. 
We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at PC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community, and on Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.